I hope you enjoyed last week's interview that we did with Trent Dilfer, the football coach at David Lipscomb. And, you know, again, go back and he, he won a Super Bowl, played in the NFL, was a big-time guy, and now he's changing young lives. There's more to the story as we carry on with Trent Dilfer. Welcome to Put a Word on It, a podcast presented by Men of Valor. In each episode, we're going to talk with a different man, but each one with a unique journey from brokenness to freedom. I'm your host, Rudy Kalis. I spent over 40 years as a TV sportscaster, then retired and joined the Men of Valor program as a volunteer. So join the conversation. Reconciling men to God, their families and society. Welcome to another edition of Put a Word on It, brought to you by Houchins Insurance. We thank you so much for your support. Well, last week we introduced you to Trent Dilfer, who was a quarterback who won a Super Bowl for the Baltimore Ravens in the NFL, had a long career there, and now is a football coach here in Nashville at David Lipscomb Academy. They've done great things here. He talked about his life, about being a big star, coming back down, all the difficulties in life, and wound up by the tragic death of his young son. That broke that man, but it didn't break his faith. Well, let's begin this second conversation with him going to the Super Bowl that year, going back to Tampa Bay, who had sent him off, didn't want him, sent him to Baltimore. And here he now goes back to Tampa Bay to play the Super Bowl. And here's what he calls the best story that he has. What does it feel like to play in a Super Bowl and then to win a Super Bowl? You have so much invested in uh, when you're good. I would say this, when you're not good, this is not the case. But when you're when you're playing well and when your teams are good, you're very process driven. You're very in the moment. You're you're you every single day is another challenge that you're trying to overcome and you stack those on top of each other. And it's again and again and again and again. And you don't get caught up in all the peripheral. So when I when I tell people I went to the Super Bowl and I was just in my process, it was weird for me because it was in Tampa. It's a really funny story. It's my favorite story to tell. Um we land in Tampa. So I just played six years there. I go to Baltimore and the Super Bowl happens to be in Tampa. So kind of a homecoming for me. Media was making a big deal out of it. We land by the airport. We're driving to our hotel, which is right over the causeway. Well, right next to this hotel is a strip joint. Tampa's famous for their strip joints. And there's a shrimp Wait, joint. Yeah, shrimp or strip? Strip. Strip. Yeah, okay. like the inappropriate. Minute, I thought shrimp. Yeah, the inappropriate <laughs> one. So there's a strip joint, gentleman's <laughs> club, whatever you call it. That's right across the street from the hotel we're staying at. And in giant letters, it says, welcome back, Trent. We missed you. (laughs) And we're pulling in and I'm riding the bus with our team chaplain, who's my mentor. We're literally, I'm in the right by the window. He's next to me in the the, um, aisle seat. We're pulling in and he goes, Trent, what is that? <laughs> and I look up, I go, oh my gosh. I swear I'd never gone when I was in Tampa. I'd never been to that one, but I think as a joke, they were doing it. They knew where we were staying. So I, uh, it, but I was so caught up in the, in just the process. Like we knew we were going to beat the Giants. It was one of those games we were supremely confident in. Um, the mistake I made in that game was I was too, I, I, my emotions weren't high enough like that. That's what I battled with my career. I was crazy emotional in Tampa. Then I became almost too stoic in Baltimore. It wasn't really tough. My next stop, Seattle, that I knew how to use my emotions both ways. You know, I knew how to get hyped and let that carry me and give me momentum and knew when to calm down. And uh, but I came into that game. I was like half asleep in the beginning of the of the Super Bowl and 
Uh, took a teammate of mine, Sam Gash, to kind of come in the huddle and shake me and headbutt me and be like, let's go. We need your juice. And uh, next thing you know, I throw that touchdown pass and, and the rest is history. So uh, it was it was a very uh, odd experience. So you go from the mountaintop and man, what a great year. And they all love you to uh, we're going to release you after one year. Bye. Thanks. Yeah, Parting again, gifts. Yeah. Again. So my wife and I were at uh, an airport boarding a plane to go to the ESPYs to rest, <clears throat> represent the Ravens for team of the year. And I get a call on my one of those old school flip phone, cell phone things. And, hey, what's up? It's my quarterback coach. He's like, Trent, you're not going to believe this conversation, but uh, you're a free agent and we're not going to resign you. We're going to sign Elvis Gerback or Brad Johnson. I'm like, what? Didn't we just win the Super Bowl? And by the way, that year I turned out, it's funny, uh, Derek Carr just did the same thing. They tried to re- they tried to extend me in season. They tried to nego- renegotiate my contract because I was a one-year deal in Baltimore. And they offered me a ton of money. I think it was five years. And I said, no, let's not distract anything. And now two months later, after winning the Super Bowl, they're saying they're not going to resign me as a, as a, uh, as a free agent. Talk about bad business um, sense on my end. But yeah. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I don't, what do you say to that? You know what I mean? Like, what more can I do? And Part of it, I was injured. I was going through some stuff, and they were concerned about my health. But that's kind of baloney. Uh, really, they Brian Billick, the head coach's ego, got involved, and he wanted to go to this big, you know, wild, crazy offense and not be defensive centric, and and it backfired on him. So um, I ended up being coming a free agent again, and uh, end up sitting out for a while, and then signing with Seattle late in free agency. Played a few more years, some other different teams. What mm-hmm. does it feel like when you mind you say, I'm getting to the end of the road? I'm not sure they want me around anymore. What yeah. happens? Well, I played, again, I'm boring you guys, the football stuff. In 2002, I played my best football. Then I tear my Achilles tendon in the game that Emma Smith breaks the rushing record in Dallas. So that sets me back. I go through some personal tragedy that I would never wish it upon my worst enemy. Um I come back in 05, I get traded to the Browns, and I play really, really well at the Browns. Uh, and then I tear my patella tendon up, which leads to a fake knee, so I don't have a fake knee. Uh, so it was like every time I started to play really well again and, and start feeling like, okay, I got I got a lot more in me, I would suffer some type of major setback injury-wise. When I got to San Francisco in 07, I, I knew it was year 13, and I knew I was there to help Alex Smith out. And, and kind of the deal was that I was never going to have to play. Like when I accepted the trade, because I had a trade clause in my contract, and I accepted the trade to San Francisco, I was like, hey, I don't really want to get on the field. Like I have one Achilles. I, you know, my knee's falling apart. I can't walk. And I, I can't do much. I can still throw a football, but I can't do much else. So in 07, it was perfect. I didn't play a snap. I mentored Alex. He got better. I lived in the Bay Area, and then 08 comes, and we're like, okay, Alex ready to bust out, and then he gets hurt, and I get thrown in there. And I, I had convinced myself I could still do it, but I'd watch myself on film, and, and my brain was writing checks my body couldn't cash. I couldn't protect myself. It was my stepdad that called me one day and says, hey, you got to be careful, man. I'm watching you, and you can't protect yourself anymore. Like, you play the game like you can still get out of trouble, and you're so hyper-competitive, you're trying to fight for yards and stay alive, and you're going to get killed out there. And sure enough, that year, I was trying to scramble on a fourth and one, and I put my head to try to die for the first down, and I got my head hit, and I was out, knocked out conscious for three and a half minutes. It was my 14th concussion. And, and at that point, it was, you're done. Like, the, 
I have one more story of this, but the doctor saying, you can't play anymore. You're done. Kind of the Steve Young. I, Steve Young and I were really good friends. He told me I couldn't play anymore. His career ended the same way. That summer is a God thing. That summer, I take my family to a, a kind of retirement. I'm getting out of football dude ranch in Colorado with a bunch of other NFL families and, and their kids. And we're playing knockout. You know, that game knockout is Danny Werfel, Matt Hasselback, myself, Steve Stenstrom, like six NFL quarterbacks. And the last shot, Steve Stenstrom misses. I miss. He goes, I go. I hit a fadeaway to beat him and tear my other Achilles as I'm shooting him. And the side story to that is Al Davis and I had been having secret conversations at the Raiders. My family didn't know about it. Um, nobody knew about it. My agent didn't know about it. Al, nobody in the Raiders knew about it. And Al had offered me a three-year contract and then a three-year contract to be their head coach. So I was going to back up to Marcus Russell for three years and mentor him, work as a coach and a player, and then become the head coach of the Oakland Raiders at the time. And I was going to do it. And I was going to break it to my family at this dude ranch. Like we were done. The deal was done. And I tear my other Achilles. I got to call Mr. Davis and be like, uh, I don't think this is going to work because you don't want me with, you know, another ruptured Achilles is my other one. And he goes, no, sorry, Trent, we can't do it. And I had to tell, I had to confess to my family that I'd gone behind their back, but it was God clearly saying, Hey dude, you are done playing football. Like your, your time in the NFL is over. I'm going to protect you from this one. And, mm -hmm. and you're going to go do some TV for a little bit. I remember when you took the job at Lipscomb three years ago, uh, I was one of those who was stunned that yep. they were able to attract you. But I also remember you're saying that I'm about to coach young men who are the same age that my son yeah. would be right now. They're, what they're is that the same like? age. Uh, yeah. It's really been the heartbeat behind this. It was it, one, it was a calling. I, those of you that have the Holy Spirit to speak to you in such a way you can't deny it. That's what this was. Um, but it was also, as I, as I said yes to him and started diving into it, it was he kept showing me all the reasons why I'm being called to this. And one of the blessings was I get now a second chance at parenting boys. Um, my daughters tease me all the time that they say, you don't coach, you just reparent the team like you did us. And it's true. Like I'm just taking all my parenting methods that we learned from all the years and all the good advice and calling it coaching and throwing some cool X's and O's on it. And, and it's been pretty successful, but it's been super rewarding to me. And I think that's why I don't get tired. It's just so rewarding to see them change so much in a short amount of time and feel like you have a piece of that. So how do you how do you be tough? Teach them to be tough. It's a tough sport. You want to de-escalate stuff. Like it, it, look around our country. Like just think if people took the approach to always de-escalate a situation instead of escalating a situation. And for the most part, I do a pretty good job with that. I, I I'm consciously thinking about that as things get out of control. If you're in the football world, you know it's a volatile sport. It's very emotional. It hurts when kids hurt. They tend to act out. Um, you can ignore it and just go on business as usual, or you can use it as a teaching opportunity. Mm. Do you talk to your kids about social media? Constantly. About staying away from it? Constantly. We did something really fun this summer. Um, I would suggest any of you that are around young people, this is, I stole this from somebody. This was not an original idea of mine. We called them kitchen table conversations. So with all the social issues going on, with all the things these kids are being exposed to, you have a couple of choices. You can ignore it and let the parents do it. 
done by many people. You could preach it, like talk at them. But think about, put yourself in a 17-year-old kid's shoes. He goes to school and he gets talked at the whole day. How many teachers you know make it collaborative? Not many, right? Most of them, they just talk at you. So they sit there for six, seven hours and get talked at. Well, in football, what do they do? They get coached. Hey, put your hand here. Take this step there. Throw the ball there. Run the route this way. Blah, blah, blah. So for, I put myself in a 17 year old shoes. I'm like, the last thing I want to do is be talked at more at football. So we brought him up to what we, it's a room just like this, not nearly this cool, but this size. And we set out all these round tables, very similar to those. And we called them kitchen table conversations. And the rule was we fed them each day as they came in. You couldn't sit at a new table until the table was full. And what that did, that changed forever our program. That one simple rule changed our program forever because all of a sudden, no, there's no clicks. And basically, at the end of the day, what happened was we would talk about porn. We would talk about social injustice. We would talk about politics, believe it or not. We would talk about everything, but I didn't talk. They talked. And we made them talk. And it was the single greatest thing I've ever done as a leader. Did you come up with that? I stole it from a buddy of mine in California okay. to a certain degree. And uh, it was incredible. It was literally incredible to see the change in our young people yeah. in six weeks as we did this, having these kitchen table conversations. And really we talked about everything. I mean, there was nothing that we didn't talk about. And the kids handled it really well. We had, we had a lot of adults in there, so it would never cross a line. There was no goofiness. Um, and it was just, it was epic to watch these kids process stuff. We talked about mental health constantly and they wow. process stuff that they hadn't been given an opportunity to process. I listened to your life and I think of the proverb 16, nine, in his heart, a man plans his way in life, but it's the Lord who directs mm. his steps. Amen. I told you at the beginning that the name of our program is put a word yeah. on it. Is there a word that comes to your mind? Yeah. Peace that transcends understanding. You know, I, I pick one word. Oh, one word. Peace. <laughs> Okay. I'm not trying to be rough, no. but make these guys come up with one word. Peace. Why? Because I think that's the thing that I think a lot of us are missing these days is in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of tra uh, tragedy, like we went through as a family, ups and downs of life, that God does promise us peace that transcends understanding. Um, and to rest in that peace is the greatest joy I've ever had as a, as a human. Uh, in the midst of life's storms, in the midst of life's ups, all the different things it throws at us. When you know, when you just have that sense of a peace that's from the Holy Spirit, you, you can't, you can't fret the other stuff. You know, that's why it says in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God that transcends understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, our, our hearts and minds need to be guarded and he guards them with a peace that transcends understanding. And I felt it. It's real. When I, when I try to explain the gospel to non, to unbelievers, um, I, I think that's where I use, that's the only time I use my life experiences. Like I have experienced miraculous healing, miraculous peace, stuff that is unexplainable. I can't, I can't show it to you. I can't, you can't read it in a book. I can't, I can't use logic or reason with it. I can just tell you that when I should have no peace, I had perfect peace. Mm -hmm. 
I will tell you, your transparency is infectious. Huh. It, it is, especially the guys that are part of the program, because yeah. they know that they need that. They read people, they can tell. Yeah. And I just thank you so much for opening up your heart to all the things that you we wanted it. to know about. I'm so. excited to be here. This is oh, pretty cool. Man. Well, I hope you enjoy that. I sure did. I mean, what a powerful story. And that's why we did two segments on it. If you haven't had a chance, go back and listen to the first one that talks about growing up and everything that set the stage for this man that came to Nashville and is now touching the lives. And how about the idea that he's coaching young men who are the same age that his son would be if he was still alive. That is powerful. Peace. What a great word. That's exactly what God wants us to have inside of our hearts. And he's learned through tribulation that peace is the answer and only peace in Christ. So thank you. By the way, our podcasts are on all kinds of platforms and we put it out there so that hopefully you'll be encouraged and, and it's a great joy for us to try to pass that peace along to you as well here at Men of Valor. So thank you for joining us. Join us again next time as we put a word on it. You've been listening to Put a Word on It. We would love for you to subscribe wherever you download fine podcasts. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or Spotify. Put a Word on It is brought to you by Men of Valor. To learn more, go to movministry.com.